With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, fight fans. This is Jen and Jay, and I'm welcome to the 257th edition of On the Ropes Boxing Radio. And I have a fantastic show in store for you guys this week. I'll be joined by three guests. I'll be having the return of former undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world, the legendary Roy Jones Jr. We'll be on to discuss his upcoming fight this Friday against Bobby Gunn and also talk about the current boxing landscape. I will also be having a debut guest appearance on the show by boxing commentator Barry Tompkins. He'll be on to discuss his upcoming induction into the Boxing Hall of Fame and also talk about the Adrian Broner versus Adrian Ganado's fight this weekend. But to open up this week's show, I have a very special guest making his second appearance to On The Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm joined by the former IBS light welterweight champion, Lamont Peterson. How's it going today, Lamont? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Definitely happy to have you back on the show. And Lamont, you actually have a very big fight coming up on February 18th. You'll be fighting for the WBA welterweight title. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about the opponent you have? Um, you know, he's a good fighter. He just, you know, beat Shane Mosley last year. Uh, so that's, that's his first big fight, first big test, and uh, he passed it, you know, with a good grade. He's the champ, so I know he's coming in and he wants to keep that belt. And uh, I'm, looking forward, I'm looking forward to a tough fight. All right, now, you mentioned uh, the Mosley fight that Avancian had in his, his last bout. Uh, he surprised some people. Some people thought Sugar Shane would, would take that one. What did you see from him in that fight? Uh, I thought that, you know, he, he, he's solid. Um, he, 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 he has decent power, decent speed, um, and he, he just knew how to handle himself with a, with a world-class fight. You're fighting up at welterweight. How do you think you're going to feel at this weight? Uh, I think I feel great at the weight. Um, shouldn't be any problem with, with carrying my strength and everything up, up to the weight class. It, it, honestly, it shouldn't improve a bit. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Just thankful to, to, to get, you know, another shot at the world time. I know one thing that's going kind of against you, Lamont, is that you've had quite a bit of inactivity, especially of late. Can you tell the fans a little bit about why you've been out of the ring? Um, just negotiations, you know, in Boston. This fight's not falling through that 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 uh that we set out to to get. Um, and just you know, that's just part of the game. Uh, you know, not like uh you know, I'm just sitting on the shelf shelf or just sitting sitting around. And, you know, I'm staying in the gym, uh, anticipating in my head that I'm gonna fight. Uh, maybe three, four different times uh, last year, but just just so happened that you know. Uh, other fighters decided to fight, you know, other guys. So I just, it just kind of left me, you know, out for a while, but, but, but no big deal. All right, well, your previous fight you took on Felix Diaz. Um, you won a, a close fight in that one. Felix Diaz himself has gone on to have some success. Can you tell the fans a little bit about that fight and the win? Uh, it was a fight, you know, 
here close to my home. Uh, I knew Dion for, for uh, maybe 15 years now. Um, like, you know, in the um, amateurs uh, fighting, you know, in other countries and fighting the world, world, world uh, championships and things like that. Um, I think the Pan Am Games, uh, I remember seeing him. So he was on the Dominican team and, you know, so I knew him for a while. Uh, I never fought him, but he fought a few of my teammates. So it was, it was going to be a tough fight. He always comes, and he always going to bring um, bring a, a tough fight, and then uh, that's what it was. And uh, and and then that particular night, I asked him out. And, you know, I think uh, maybe down the line we'll do it again. Okay, now from what you're going to be competing in the welterweight division, and it's pretty talent stacked. And there's actually a very big fight coming up between. Thurman and Garcia in that weight class, but overall, what do you think of the talent at 147? Well, I'm just happy to be in the in the weight class with with uh, such, such great talent. Uh, and right now, normally, you know, boxing throughout boxing, you know, uh, the talent kind of switched throughout weight classes, and I'm just fortunate enough to be in one one of the top ones. Uh, you know, the junior middleweight division is pretty hot. Uh, featherweight and welterweight, uh, uh, three of the hottest. You know, uh, in the game right now, um, 47 is stacked with, with, with young talent, um, veterans with, with men, and, um, just overall just solid, solid fighters. And now I mentioned that fight, Thurman versus Garcia. I mean, a lot of people are looking forward to that. It's going to be unification. Who are you favoring to win that one? Uh, I'm on the fence right now. Honestly, um, it's a 50-50 fight. Um, and it just, I guess it's going to come down to, to whoever executes their game plan that particular night the best and be the, the one who wins that night. Uh, well, speaking of welterweight, it's changing a little bit. Floyd Mayweather stepped away. Manny Pacquiao doesn't seem too far from stepping away. How do you see the sport now without Mayweather and without Pacquiao? Um, it'll go on like it always do. You know, before them, there was, there was great fighters um, who, who Eventually, everyone has to retire, and you retire, and uh, someone will always pick up in that in that in, in those spots and fill those shoes. So there'll be a lot of young talent uh, coming for the, the to fit those um, to fill those shoes, and uh, we'll see how it play out. Okay, now I mentioned Pacquiao. Uh, he's got an upcoming fight with um, Jeff Warren. A lot of people haven't heard him. But the fight that everyone wants to see is actually a fight between Pacquiao and Crawford. If those two step in the ring, seeing that Pacquiao's the older man now, how do you see that playing out? Um, of, of course, offhand, you, you give Crawford the, the advantage, you know, of height, youth, and just, you know, just being young and hungry. But uh, you never can count a guy like Pacquiao out. Um, he, he's an uh, all-time great. Um, he has an awkward style, and, and he still got some left in the tank. So, um, so it's a hard fight to call, but you know I, we'll see. Hopefully, it happens. All right. Well, Lamont, um, what's something to your brother, Anthony Peterson? Uh, he's thirty-seven and one, but he hasn't had a world title opportunity yet. I'm wondering, what do you think has stalled his career in terms of getting that shot? I'm not sure. Um, only thing uh, I can say is I just hope the the, the shot comes soon, and uh, I'm sure you know when it comes, if it comes, he'll be ready. All right. Well, Lamont, so a few more questions before I let you off the line. And on the fight card, you will be on 
The main event has Adrian Broner, well-known character of the sport. He's taking on Granados, and I'm wondering what you think is going to happen in that fight. Um, should be a tough fight. Um, you know, Adrian is always in, you know, uh, entertaining fights. So it should, should definitely be that that night. Um, he's in his hometown. I'm sure he wants to put on the show. Um, but, but it's going to be a competitive fight that I do see Adrian edging it out. Okay, back to your fight with Avancian. How do you expect that fight to play out from the opening bell to the finish? I think I'll, you know, from, from bell, Bell one to the end, I'll control the fight. And uh, I'll get the victory and, and move on. And what will it mean for you to become a welterweight champion? It means a lot to actually introduce myself to the welterweight division and, and, and to move on and, and to fight some of the names that, that you just mentioned. Um, that's, that's, that's the goal and that's the game plan. So right, let's get it done. All right, well, in closing, Lamar, is there any message that you want to pass along to all your fans and supporters? Uh, I know it's been a while. Uh, sorry for the wait, but uh, February 18th, uh, we're back, and we're coming stronger than, than ever. All right, well, Lamont, it's been a great pleasure having you come back on On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I thank you so much for your time, and I wish you all the best in your title fight this month. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, that was Lamont Peterson talking about his upcoming fight. This weekend, fighting for a WBA title against David Avancian. And, you know, it's good to see Lamont Peterson get back in the title fold, being the fact that, you know, he's a guy that beat Amir Khan. He became, uh, for all intents and purposes, the champion at the weight class. Then he had a few rocky years, a couple of losses, a lot of inactivity. And now he's back again, and he has a, a very big opportunity against a guy in Avancian who, you know, kind of put himself on the map when he beat an aging Shane Mosley, but still a name in Shane Mosley. So if Peterson can win this fight this weekend, you know, he puts himself back in play for a lot of the big names at 140 pounds, you know, and also regains a title belt. So, you know, it's uh, definitely good to see that Lamont Peterson's getting back into the middle of things here, and uh, I wish him all the best of luck this weekend. Uh, let's move things now to the news of the week. And while the boxing news has been kind of slow of late, not a lot going on, there was some interesting news about one of the sport's biggest stars, that being Manny Pacquiao. Now, for the longest time, it was assumed that Manny Pacquiao's next fight would be in Australia against Jeff Horn. You know, that's what all the signs were saying out there. That's what all the, you know, people around the top rank camp were saying was going to be next for Pacquiao. It was going to be Jeff Horn. They're in discussions. They're going to get a stadium in Australia. That was the fight that was going to be next. Well, what happened was there was a collective yawn by the boxing world, and nobody outside of Australia really had interest in that fight, and that kind of got things moving in a different direction. So recently, it was announced that Manny Pacquiao's next fight will not be in Australia. It will, in fact, be in the UAE. And for the people who don't know what that is, that is the United Arab Emirates. That is a country located in Asia. So when you have that kind of a move, that says that there's a bigger move in line, that Jeff Warren is no longer going to be the opponent, that it's going to be somebody of, you know, maybe someone of Pakistani descent, somebody from that side of the map, you know, someone that people would be interested in seeing that would be interesting in that country. Who could it possibly be? Maybe Amir Khan? Well, Manny Pacquiao put out a vote on Twitter. You know, basically he gave fans four options. It was Amir Khan, Jeff Warren, Terrence Crawford, and Kel Brooks and he let the people vote, and, you know, basically this vote was to say, who do you want me to fight next? doesn't mean it's going to be that person, but who do you want me to fight? 
out of these choices. Well, when the vote was all said and done, Jeff Horn came in last, 7%. So he's out. Who came in second to last? Chance Crawford, 21%. Respectable, but, you know, doesn't look like that fight is going to happen in April. Kel Brooks came in in, you know, second place, 24%, but, you know, he's got to fight Rivero Spence, so that fight's not going to happen. Who came up number one? Well, none other than Amir Khan. 48% of the people that voted in this poll, they wanted Amir Khan to be next for Manny Pacquiao. So all things right now are looking like they might be going in an interesting direction for Manny Pacquiao, maybe a potential fight with Amir Khan. Me as a boxing fan, I hope that's what happens. I hope that, you know, this fan poll actually leads to that because it really doesn't mean anything. It's just a fan poll. Last time Amir Khan was involved in a fan poll, he kind of got shafted. Uh, Floyd Mayweather had a poll between him and Marcus Maidana, and Amir Khan got more votes, and then somehow Marcus Maidana got the fight. So that really doesn't mean too much in terms of the poll, but the location of his next fight does mean a lot. There's really no other logical opponent for Manny Pacquiao that makes any sense at all besides Amir Khan if you're going to be fighting in the UAE in your next fight. You know, I mean, there's a lot of rich people in the UAE to bring a big star like Manny Pacquiao over there. You know, that's going to draw a lot of interest, but you still need the right opponent. You can't bring a Jeff Horn over there and expect people to want to go see him fight and, you know, have it be a huge event. There will be people that will see it, but, you know, it won't make the people that are in that country really throw up the money for the fight that you need. You need to have an opponent that has some sort of descent from that side of the map that would make sense. And also, I got a, a star. You know, you can say what you want about Amir Khan and say something about his chin or whatever. He is a star. He is this guy that, you know, draws people's interest. He does get the big fights. So a fight between him and Pacquiao, it makes a lot of sense at this point here. I mean, personally, as a fan, I'm all for it. I've wanted to see it for a few years now. You know, I was a person that kind of panned uh, Amir Khan getting a fight with Floyd Mayweather, but was always supportive of him getting a fight with Pacquiao just because stylistically, I think it's a good fight. You know, as a boxing fan, I think they would make for a good boxing match. You know, it's interesting stylistically. You know, Amir Khan is more of a boxer right now, but, you know, he also has that vulnerability. And that vulnerability makes him interesting to watch. Because Manny Pacquiao, at any moment, could come in there with that straight left hand and crack him. You know, and Amir Khan's got heart. When he gets hurt, he still continues. He still tries to continue. As long as the ref will allow him to fight, he tries to fight. So, you know, those are the kind of things that you like to see as a boxing fan. You like to see a fight that's interesting stylistically, a fighter that's vulnerable, that could potentially outbox the opponent, or he could get knocked out. So that fight has a lot of interesting aspects to it. And I hope, I hope, like I say, it's not a, a fact or it's not going to be a sure thing, but I hope all the signs that are out there that are pointing to a potential Amir Khan versus Manny Pacquiao fight are true, and that's the fight we see next for Pacquiao. For that, I'd like to move things now to my second guest of this week's show, and he's making his debut appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio. I'm very happy to welcome boxing commentator Barry Tompkins. How's it going today, Barry? Everything is good, Jen. Thanks. I want to start things off and congratulate you. You've been elected to the 2017 Hall of Fame class. How do you feel about the honor? Oh, I'm honored. I mean, you know, that's... uh... That's that's the understatement of the year. I, quite honestly, I I really didn't expect it, and uh, I was blindsided by it, surprised by it. Uh, just getting the nomination, let alone being elected. You know, because I do a lot of different things. I don't only do boxing, so I never thought of myself, you know, so much as a specialist in in boxing, even though I've been doing it for four years. But um, so more than anything else, to be 
you know, to be honored by my peers is that that's really important to me because it's the it's the people who are in the sport and the people who are in the media who are who are voting that and uh that makes it special and and that doesn't even begin to speak to the fact that you know I'm going in with my partner and one of one of my best friends uh in Steve Parhood. So um I'm you know, I'm beyond honored. Well Barry, you know, you've been around the sport quite a bit. I mean you've worked with HBO, ESPN now you work with Showtime. Can you talk about a little bit working with all these different announcers that are so well-known in the sport? Yeah, I, I've had, although it's interesting that I really haven't had as many color commentators in boxing as I have in other sports. Uh, in fact, in football, I've got a guy that's been doing my stats for a million years, and I one day over dinner, just this football season, were counting up the football color commentators we had, and we, we ran out of people at about 66, and we know there was at least 10 more. But, um, but in boxing, I, uh, you know, I've really been blessed in the sense that when I started at HBO, I had uh, Sugar Ray Leonard with me and Larry Merchant. And, uh, and Ray was still fighting at the time, and we got to be – he's like a little brother to me. You know, we've been very close for, for all those years. I started there in 19, 1980, so it was only four years after, after he was in the Olympics. And my, the first boxing I ever did was Ray's Olympic Games in 1976. Uh, so I had I had Ray and I had Larry Merchant and you know those guys. Larry is in the Hall of Fame already, and and uh, between the two of them, I learned a lot, you know, about boxing. I'd like to think I was really professional in terms of being a broadcaster, but I learned a lot from them in doing boxing. And then when I went to ESPN, they hooked me up with Al Bernstein, which was like you know a manna from heaven. You know, I mean Al. Al and Steve were two of my closest friends, and to be able to work with both of them is, you know, how, how often do you get a chance to do that? So Al and I did about eight or nine years together at ESPN, and uh, we have a very similar sense of humor, and so we had a, it was just a ton of fun working with Al. And uh, and then I went to Fox and did a, a well, first it was a um, it was a Dan Goosen package, and then it became a top rank package. And uh, worked with Rich Murata, who's another guy I have a huge amount of respect for. Uh, and then when I left Fox, Fox stopped doing boxing at that time. That was the end, but at that time they stopped. And uh, and I was fortunate enough to uh, give Steve Farr the call. And uh, it just happened that, uh, you know, there was going to be an unfortunate way because Nick Charles was obviously at that time, he was very sick, unfortunately, needless to say. And so... Uh, when Nick passed, um, I started working with Steve on, on Showbox. So uh, so now I have Steve and Raul Marquez, who is another guy that I had worked with quite a lot even before um, I went to Showtime. So uh, over the years, I've just had the very best of it, and I've been fortunate enough not only to be able to work with people who knew what they were doing, but to work with friends. And when you're doing a series like we do on Showtime or we did on ESPN or even on Fox – uh, that means a lot because you're not only spending time together just doing the fights. You know, you're hanging out together, going to dinner together, traveling together. So, it's you know, if you don't like the person you're working with, that could be a real haul. But uh, I've been I've been blessed in having people that I really sincerely like and would choose as friends outside of boxing to work with over the years. Now, Barry, you mentioned before that you do so many different sports that you commentate on. Can you talk a little bit about how boxing – is different in terms of the other sports of how you broadcast it. Yeah, it it, it is different. It's um, every sport has its own certainly its own language, 
and also has its own pace, its own tempo. And one, generally speaking, does not relate to another. You know, um, you know, baseball and and basketball are as different as football and baseball. You know, or as football and tennis is another thing altogether that's completely different. The thing about boxing that makes it probably more difficult to do and puts a, a great uh, reliance on a, very, on a good color commentator is the fact that it, football is action and reaction. So you do the action and your color commentator does the reaction. But boxing, you never know when something's going to happen. So if the color commentator happens to be talking when there's a knockdown or a big punch or a flurry or whatever it happens to be, now what do you do as the play-by-play person? Do you just jump over the top of the color commentator, which makes for bad television, or do you hope that the color commentator can just kind of pick it up? And that's that's where, for me, I would much rather work with somebody like Steve or Al or or uh, Rich because they're broadcasters as much as they are, uh, you know, analysts, and they could do it. And that's the way we've always we've always worked. You know, if something's going on in the fight and Steve happens to be talking, he'll just say, "That's a great left hand," and then allow me to pick it up. And Rich could do the same thing. In fact, Rich was even more of a play-by-play guy, so he could, he could, we, he, we could actually do interchangeable roles. And the same could be said for Al Bernstein. So, boxing in particular, there's no, there's no rhythm to it because you never know when the action's going to come, if at all. And uh, and so the, the the onus really does go on the color commentator even more than the play-by-play commentator. All right. Well. Barry, let's talk a little bit about the boxing schedule. And Showtime actually has a, a pretty interesting event coming up uh, on February 18th, which also happens to mark your fifth year of the network, even though I don't believe you'll be broadcasting this fight. But Adrian Broner is returning against Adrian Granados. And he's been in a lot of turmoil outside the ring. I'm curious, do you think he'll be able to get it together to win this fight and rehab his career? You know, you never know with him. He, he, you just don't know who's going to show up on a given night with Adrian Broner. And I think for him, that's his downfall. I would say Adrian Granados in this fight is, you know, what we would call a live dog. You know, he's, he's the underdog in the fight, but I would not be the least bit surprised if he knocked Broner out. Uh, on the other hand, it, you know, if the good Adrian Broner shows up and, and is at his best, then it's a whole different deal. I mean, you know, Adrian Broner clearly is is a better talent than Adrian Granados is right now. But um, I'm not I'm not convinced he's going to win because you just don't know who's going to show up. And you know, he's his own worst enemy. I mean, he's completely undisciplined. He always puts his foot in his mouth at all times. And you know, and he hangs out with the wrong people. He's you know, I, I wish I could tell you he's a great guy. He's not. And, uh, you know, I, it's not my job to have any kind of a rooting interest, and I don't in that fight either. But but just because of the way Broner is, I give Granados a legitimate chance to win the fight. You know, the thing with Broner is he's been a champion in some form or another over five years, and he's only 27 years old, so he's got a lot of career left. Some people say it's a certain person can't change at a certain point, but do you think there's still time for him to change and maybe live up to his potential? You know, I, they say you have to bottom out before you can change. Uh, I, I don't know if he's bottomed out yet. Maybe he has. Maybe that incident in the bowling alley might have been the thing for him. Uh, maybe. You hope so. Uh, he's not a stupid guy. You know, he's he's a pretty smart guy. He's, I think he's got the ability to change. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, would I bet on it? No. You know, I, I 
right now I, I I wish him nothing but the best, you know, and I hope he does change. It would be in his in his best interest because he's a big talent, you know. If he were a hundred percent body and mind at all times, he'd be a hell of a talent. But like I said, he's a loose cannon, and I think he has to change. I would love to see him change. I'm not convinced he can. Well, Barry, we're coming off of 2016, which for boxing it was kind of a, a rough year. A lot of big fights weren't made. wasn't that many great matchups, and uh, boxing overall kind of struggled. A lot of the pay-per-views that were out there, they all sunk down. People have a lot of hope for 2017, and I'm wondering what your hopes are for this year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of attractive fights out there, and uh, not just for us, not just for Showtime, but for HBO, the, the top rank. There's a lot of of very good matchups that are potentially out there. there. I mean, there's some that are already made. I think, you know, as the as the year goes on, we're going to see either Joshua or Klitschko, whoever wins that fight, uh, fight Wilder, which will be a very much of a marquee fight. Um, I think the heavyweight division is getting very interesting again. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, the featherweight division is really a live division out there. Uh, 168 is a good division. There, uh, you know, if Daniel Jacobs happens to be Triple G, I think he could really become a a star. Um, so I think I think looking ahead in nineteen in, in twenty seventeen, uh, it should be a huge year for the sport. That's that's my feeling. You know, obviously you don't know until the fight happens whether it's gonna be a good fight or a bad fight, but we're certainly off to a good start in that regard and uh and you hope that it continues. And I think one of the problems is we're doing too much pay per view. Uh you know, I think there are fights that are on pay per view that have no right being on pay-per-view, and I think what it's doing is it's watering the sport down a little bit. So um, I'd like to see fewer pay-per-view fights. I'd like the, the pay-per-view fights to be the legitimately big fights, and I think we've gotten away from that a little bit. I'd like to see that change. But the prospects for, for 2017, I think, are huge. I think it, there's a real upward uh, movement, I think, in the sport right now. Well, Barry, recently on Showtime, one of the biggest stars of the sport in the last 20 years, Floyd Mayweather was interviewed, and he talked about the sport and saying that he wasn't completely retired, but he had no interest in fighting any legitimate fighter. He only had interest in entertainment fights like Conor McGregor. I'm mm-hmm. curious, as a commentator, when you hear him say that, what do you think, and do you think he has the best interest of boxing in his mind or just money? No, I think he has the best interest of Floyd Mayweather in his mind. You know, uh, yeah, I think he's money motivated. I think he's undefeated motivated. Um, I think that means a lot to him. Um, I think he would rather, the money is utmost important to him. And, you know, he's going to make whatever. I mean, he could make as much as $100 million if he, if he does fight McGregor. Uh, and the fight will be a complete farce. I think everybody that I've talked to in this business feels that Mayweather should knock him out. Um, and he's not a big knockout guy, as you know, but, uh, you know, it's just a bad, bad matchup for McGregor. So, uh, you know, that that's one that I, I, I can't see the fight. It'll, it will get big numbers. It'll be huge on pay per view. Both of them will make a whole bunch of money. Um, is that what I want? I wouldn't walk across the street to see it, to be honest with you, even for the curiosity factor. Because I don't think it'll be curious. I think maybe they'll get him out of there in a hurry. Um, he has no interest in coming back and fighting, I don't know, pick your favorite name that's out there, uh, that could challenge him. It, he's, it's more important for him to be undefeated and make lots and lots of money. Well, recently there was a poll, and of all the boxing fans out there, the fight they most wanted to see wasn't McGregor, it wasn't even a Pacquiao rematch. 
they would love to see new other versus Gennady Golovkin. And I'm wondering, right. do you think that's even realistic? No, I don't. Uh, because I think it, 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 where would they fight? Would they fight at 154? You know, catch weight? I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure what weight they fight at. I, I don't think I don't think there's any chance that Mayweather could fight him at 160 pounds and win. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be Daniel Jacobs. I mean, I think Daniel Jacobs is a pretty tough matchup for him. No, I don't see that fight happening ever. All right, well, talk about the sport a little bit. There is one more guy that, you know, is on the retiring side of things, that being Manny Pacquiao. We have a fight with Jeff Horn. A lot of people haven't even heard of Jeff Horn. Right. I'm wondering, do you think they're just kind of cashing out with Pacquiao at this point in his career when they're looking at these types of fights? I think they'd like to set him up for one more big fight. I really think they would they would try to go after Mayweather again. And, well, maybe they might make that fight. It wouldn't shock me if that fight were made. And, you know, the scary thing about it, I think the result would be exactly the same as the first time. And I think they'd also wind up selling almost as many buys, tickets and, and pay-per-view buys, as they did the last time when Mayweather made a bazillion dollars, you know. Um, I, I, I'll never know how, but I just think, you know, it's the old P.T. Barnum thing. Nobody ever went broke underestimating the American public, you know, uh, as far as ticket sales. And I think they'll, you know, they'll play up Manny's injury in the last fight and all that kind of thing, and uh, and people will buy it all over again. That wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me if that fight was made. But I think, in general, with Pacquiao, is what they're doing is building him up for one fight. All right. Well, there is one money fight that they've already made, and it's truly about money. Canelo versus Chavez Jr., and that'll be in May. I'm wondering what do you think of that, because the longest time Canelo wasn't willing to go up and wait to face Golovkin, but yet he's willing to face Chavez Jr. at a catch weight of 164.5. What do you think of that fight? I think he thinks of Chavez as a piece of cake, to be honest with you. And if Chavez shows up the way he has for his past few fights, I think he's right. Now, people tell me that Chavez is really working hard, that he's really serious about it this time, that he's in the gym, that he, you know, he's already close enough to wait to, to the point that it wouldn't be a big problem for him, that he can carry the strength into the fight. Uh, if he can, then I think he would have, you know, somewhat of a chance against Canelo. But I think in Canelo's mind and from Canelo's people, they're pretty convinced that uh, Chavez is just not going to show up ready to fight at 164 pounds. All right, well, the one big fight we all want to see happen this year is a fight between Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. I know you mentioned Danny Jacobs is no easy touch for, for Golovkin, and also Canelo's got some business in hand. But if those two do get through their fights and they do face each other in the fall, who do you see winning that fight and why? Well, I think Golovkin is just the stronger of the two. And uh, and at that weight, I don't, I don't know that Canelo can – muster what he needs to win. I if I if I were to bet on that fight I would bet on Golovkin, I think. Now, you know, I may have a different I may maybe have a different mindset after I see how he fights against Daniel Jacobs. But I I kind of think Canelo I really liked him for a long part of his career, but I kind of think he may be you know on the I don't want to say on the downside, but hit a leveling point, you know, to where he's not going to get any better. And that could be said of Golovkin too. So you know, I, again, you're asking me who I think would win the fight. If I had to answer that question today, which you're asking me, so I guess I do, I would say Golovkin would win the fight. Well, Barry, I just got a few more questions before I let you off the line. You as a boxing commentator, what fight excites you that's coming up this year? What fight are you most looking forward to seeing? 
Well, I would love to see. I, I really am looking forward to Joshua and, and Klitschko, to tell you the truth. And I, I, I very much would like to see, you know, Wilder and the winner of that fight, whoever whoever it may be. I think that fight uh, is a pick 'em fight. I really do. I, I would, by no means, would I rule Klitschko out of that fight. I think Joshua is still kind of on the upside of his career, still kind of in the learning process. And even though he's taking care of people, and he may take care of Klitschko, time really may, in fact. I've caught up with Klitschko. It's it's a compelling fight to me. Um, it's a fight I really want to see. I like Golovkin and Jacobs too. I think that's that's a pretty good fight. And, and needless to say, and and of course I'm a Showtime guy, so I would say this, but hard to imagine that Santa Cruz and Frampton, if were they to tee it up for a third time, the, the fight would probably be every bit as good as the first as the first two fights. Boxing needs trilogies and. You know, the old thing of, of great fights make great fighters, and I think a third fight, and particularly if it was a great one, uh, would really cement the careers of, of both guys, but certainly the winner. So those are three fights that, that I really am looking forward to. Well, Barry, you host Showbox. You see the younger generation fighters coming up. You've been doing that now for five years. Who are some of the fighters that are out there that you see that could be the next superstars from what you see out there? You know, to be honest, I, I haven't seen anybody I would put in the category of superstar. Maybe David Benavidez. I, I think he's got a real chance. Uh, you know, he hasn't fought the caliber of opponent that I would like to see him fight before I can make that declarative statement. But he's got the goods. You know, he's very big for a tall for his, his weight division. He's a big banger, and he's got a terrific jab. Now, let's see what happens when somebody hits him. Uh, but everything that I see so far... He has the makings of really being something, something very special, you know. Um, you know, we had the Charlos come through our show, and and you know we saw a lot, a lot in them. Um, and there's a kid that we have upcoming, uh, Ivan Baranchik, who I think has a legitimate chance to be something special. Uh, Darvianchenko uh, is another guy that uh, is just now he's right about at that title shot portion of his career, maybe one more fight. Uh, he has he has big skills. I like him a lot. I like a lot of the Russian guys that have come over and the Ukrainian guys, uh, who I think are very well-schooled. And, uh, you know, a couple of them now have gotten in. Yevgeny uh, Hitrov is one of them who we, we've had three or four times on, on Showbox, and he got his butt kicked uh, just the other night, you know. So that kind of thing happens. And, and you, one thing about the series that we do you see guys and you say, yeah, this guy's got the goods, particularly like two of the people I just mentioned. Uh, and then they fight somebody who's going to fight back, and all of a sudden it doesn't look like they have the goods anymore. Ivan Redcatch was another guy that was like that. We thought he was pretty good. And then all of a sudden he gets whacked and he gets whacked again. And now he's won only, only one of his last three fights, so last four fights. So, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that I'd, I'd like to tell you this guy and that guy has a chance to be a superstar. But we don't know until they really get tested for that first time. And um, right now, the guy that I would look to is David Benavides. All right. Well, Barry, in closing, being the fact that you do do Showbox, can you let the fans know what they can expect going forward from the Showbox series? Showbox series, you know, I I love this series. I really do because you're not going to see, you know, obviously the marquee guys because those guys have advanced beyond Showbox. But but what this series does is it really gives you a chance to it showcases the young talent on their way up and usually the the uh, if they if they're on Showbox five times 
the next time they get a title shot. We've only had one fighter in all the years this series has been on be on Showbox six times. Um, that's like the magic number, four or five times. And and what I really like about our boss and the guy that really runs Show Showbox, Gordon Hall, uh, who incidentally won the Sam Taub Award this year, which is just fantastic. I couldn't be. I'm as happy for him as I am for Steve and myself going in the Hall of Fame. But he's he matches the fighters and he matches them tough. And if they don't want to accept a guy that he wants to match him with, he won't put him on the show. So for the viewer, we always have really compelling fights. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that we never have a card that's just a dud from top to bottom. But generally speaking, we have at least one or two fights that are really good where a guy gets tested for, for the first time. We've had Steven know these numbers, and I don't know off the top of my head, but somebody like 125 or 26 undefeated fighters suffer their first loss on Showbox. So that, that's what that series is all about. And, and for the viewer, we have most of them, or a lot of them at least, are very compelling fights, fights that, as a fight fan, you just want to see. They may not be household names yet, but some of them are going to be, and that's what makes that series what it is. All right. Well, Barry, it's been a great pleasure having you come on on the Rose Box Radio. I thank you so much for your time. And, again, I want to congratulate you on your Hall of Fame induction. Well, thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. It's been great being with you, and I'm happy to be with you anytime. All right, that was Barry Tompkins giving his thoughts on his upcoming induction to the Boxing Hall of Fame and also talking about the current boxing scene, some of the upcoming fights, and some of the fights that he personally would like to see happen. i got to say it was a, a great pleasure having Barry on the show right here. He's one of those guys that I've respected for so long, watching especially on the Showbox series. And, uh, you know, he's just a very, very knowledgeable guy, and a guy, too, that, you know, he'll say his opinion. He'll give his honest views on it. He won't go with the politically PR-friendly response when you ask him a question about certain fighters in certain fights, you know. He tells it to you as he sees it, and that's what you got to love and you got to respect about guys in the sport, especially guys that call the sport, a guy that can tell it to the fans exactly how he sees it, not what they want to hear. So it was a great pleasure having Barry Tompkins on the show. I have to, again, congratulate him on his induction into the Boxing Hall of Fame. Very much well-deserved, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him continue do his thing on the Showbox series. All right, well, let's move things now to this week's Ask Jenna segment. That's where you guys, the boxing fans, get to ask me the questions. You can do this either by emailing me on the ropes, radio at gmail.com, mentioning me on Twitter, Jenna on the ropes, or posting your questions in our Facebook group, which is 10,000 members strong. So, guys, if you want to get your questions on the show, that is how you do it. I'm going to take my first question, and this one comes from Sean Jefferson. He says, Kelbrook will be taking on his mandatory challenger in the undefeated Errol Spence next. Who do you favor in that fight? All right, well, it's uh, very interesting you brought this up, Sean, because it's a fight that, you know, I really want to see. You know, it seems like this year is off to a very good start because a lot of the fights that fans want to see made are starting to get made, you know, and this fight was one of them. I mean, Kelbrook is a guy that most people consider to be one of the best welterweights in the world. He's never lost at welterweight. His only loss is to a middleweight champion, a very dominant one in Gennady Golovkin. And in that fight, there was no embarrassment. I mean, you know, he was scoring well early. He was winning certain rounds. And he started to have the punches catch up on him, and the corner came in there before he took any serious damage. So he's a guy, even though he lost his last fight by knockout, didn't take any serious damage and still should be at the level he was before that fight. Then you go look at Errol Spence. Errol Spence, young, 
undefeated, a guy that's earned his position by beating all the fighters that have been put in front of him. And, you know, he's a guy that's got an amazing skill set, great power, and he has all the makings of being a star. So this is a great, great fight. I mean, Brooks versus Spence is pretty much a 50-50 fight. It could go either way. I mean, because you look at Spence, while he's faced some good competition, he really hasn't faced anyone near the level of a Kel Brooks. I mean, he's faced good fighters, quality fighters, but he hasn't faced anyone near that level. But you look at Kel Brook, you know, Kel Brook is a guy that his best opponent is Sean Porter, and it was a very good win. You know, he did everything he had to do in that fight there. He won clearly, in my opinion. But also, if you look at his career and some of the fighters he's fought, he really hasn't faced the best of competition either. You know, I mean, the best competition you could say that he's faced are Sean Porter and Gennady Golovkin. One fighter he beat, the other one he lost to. So, you know, right now, if I had to give my early views on it and early who I'm tipping it to, when you look at skills, absolute skill set, who maybe could be the more complete guy out of them all, honestly, i got to give that edge to Errol Spence. I mean, hands footwork, power. Everything. I mean, honestly, this guy is supremely talented. And while Kel Brook is, is very good, too, I think Errol Spence is the faster fighter. I think he's got more hand speed. And I think he's a little bit more versatile, too. So, you know, right now if I had to give the edge to anybody, I'm going to give a slight edge to Errol Spence. But all I have to say, it's a great thing that this fight is happening. I have to commend Kel Brook for taking it. He's a guy that, you know, he's a champion. You know, he's still the IBF welterweight champion, and he's acting like a champion. Because a champion, a true champion, takes on the toughest challenges in this division and taking on your number one guy, a mandatory guy, a guy who's 21-0, a guy that a lot of people say can beat you and you still take that guy, props to Kel Brook for taking the fight. And me as a fight fan, I'm looking forward to it. All right, I'm moving now to my next question. This one comes from Andrew Price. It says, Travis Jr. has hired the legendary trainer Nacho Berenstein to train him for Canelo Alvarez. Do you think Nacho Berenstein can take Chavez Jr. to a win? Well, it was an interesting interview because that's a, a very good choice by Chavez Jr. I mean, you know, initially he wanted to get Freddie Roach, and, you know, he did have some success with Freddie Roach, but Freddie, you know, he's got a very busy training schedule. Uh, he's got to train Manny Pacquiao for a fight. He'll be training Manny Pacquiao in April. So, you know, he can't give his full focus to Chavez Jr. So taking someone like Nacho Berenstein, a legendary trainer, you know, a legendary Mexican trainer at that, you know, is a very, very good choice. I mean, Nacho's taken so many fighters, two championships. He's most known for training Juan Manuel Marquez, you know. So, I mean, he's a guy that's trained everyone. He's had tons of success. And he's a guy that, you know, he doesn't put up with any bull. You know, he's all about discipline. And, you know, he's an older guy, so he's not going to put up with any games from Charles Jr. So, the fact that Travis Jr. is picking someone like Nacho Berenstein tells me he's serious about this fight. He's serious about winning this fight. Because if he took some, you know, young trainer or unknown trainer or someone that would let him have his way, then they would tell me, oh, he's just doing it for the money. But he took Nacho Berenstein, an older trainer that's not going to put a book any bull and expects the best out of his fighter. So it's a good sign. It's a good sign for Travis Jr. And I think it's the right guy for him to make him focus on the task at hand. And also, too, this is kind of an underreported story of it, Memo Herrera is also working with Travis Jr. helping him get his weight down as a strength and conditioning coach. So Travis Jr. has a good camp in front of him, and he has a lot of things needed to beat somebody like Canelo Alvarez. The biggest thing he has going for him is size. 
he'll be able to weigh 164.5 pounds at weigh-in. But after that weigh-in, he can pump himself up as much as to 180 pounds. He'll have a significant weight advantage over Canelo. And while that extra weight might make him a little slower, one, it makes him more durable, and two, makes you stronger. He'll be the strongest fighter against Canelo. Now, Canelo is the more skilled fighter. So, honestly, no matter what way you look at it, I still got to give the edge to Canelo based on his skill set. But Chavez Jr. has put himself in a very good position, and somebody like Natural Berenstein can possibly train him to victory. The biggest thing that is in play here is Chavez Jr. He has to get himself 100% mentally focused and 100% physically ready. If he does that, he does have a chance. Nacho gives him a better chance than he had before. All right, I'm going up to my next question. This one comes from Robert Brown. He says, is Canelo's bargaining chip gone for a GGG fight now that he's fighting Travis Jr. at a catchweight? All right, well, Robert, you know, this is something I've often thought about because, you know, that was the big thing that was preventing a, a Golovkin fight before was the weight. You know, they're saying, well, we want Golovkin to come down on weight. We want him to come down to the Canelo weight of 155 pounds. Well, that's out now. You can no longer ever use that excuse of weight being an issue. You can't ask for a catch weight from Golovkin for a fight because now you're fighting above 160. Never in the entirety of the career of Golovkin has he ever fought as high as the weight is for Canelo's next fight. He's never fought at 164 or over. So when you look at that and you look at those stats, obviously that's out for Canelo. You can no longer use that excuse. Now it comes down to money. And that's the biggest thing preventing a Canelo-Alvarez-Golovkin fight. The money. Because, you know, Golovkin, as he should, wants a split. He doesn't want a flat fee. He doesn't want a flat fee of $10 million or $15 million. He wants a split. Because right now that is the biggest fight you can make on pay-per-view. It will absolutely sell a million pay-per-view buys. So, you know, that's what he's aiming for. He wants a split. Now, is it going to be 50-50? I don't think so. I do believe Canelo is the bigger star in terms of, you know, the star power of each guy. But, you know, Golovkin, still, he's a guy that's earning his own star power. He's already earned a big following in himself. So I think there should be a fair split, something around 55-45 in favor of Canelo. But if the fight's going to happen, that's what needs to happen, all right? You need to get the money split right because the weight, that's out of there. That bargaining chip, as you say, that's gone. So that part is out of the negotiations. That's no longer an issue. The biggest thing now preventing that fight is money, and hopefully they work that out if each one of those guys wins the next fight and each one of those guys has a tough test in front of them before that could even happen. I'm going to go now to my next question. This one comes from Jack Thomas DeVos. He says, Chris Eubank Jr. won the IBF super middleweight title in his last fight, do you think he could be a serious force at 168 pounds? All right, well, Jack, you know, I did watch that fight. And while you think Junior looked good, um, I did see some things that concerned me in terms of him fighting at that particular weight. The biggest thing I saw was that I believed that his power was less effective at that weight. And what I mean by that is, is he would hit the guy. He would hit the guy hard. He would hit him super solid. But the guy would still be there. All night long, this guy was there. And eventually, he did stop him, and he got to stop his because of the accumulation of punches, the fact the guy kept taking solid blow after solid blow. But the fact is, the guy really didn't move that much when Eubank Jr. hit him. And, you know, he just didn't have the effect. And I've watched a lot of Eubank Jr. fights. And, you know, guys that get hit, you know, they get shook more. They get hurt more. And that's at 160 pounds. I think the biggest thing going 
for Eubank Jr. was that he was, you know, a, a big, solid 160-pound fighter. He loses that if he fights at 168 pounds. He becomes a slightly below-average size 168-pound fighter because if you look at that division, the majority of the top guys in that weight class are over six feet. So, you know, him being five foot eleven, you know, not quite having the reach of those other guys, I think he loses his advantages by fighting at that weight class. One thing, I don't think his power is as effective at that weight. He's not going to be as tall as the other guys. His reach isn't going to be as long. He loses a lot of his physical advantages by fighting at 168 pounds. So while he did go up and he did fight and did win, you know, a very noteworthy belt at 168 pounds, you know, honestly, I think the best move for his career is to go back down to 160 and fight for a title at that weight. That's where he can make his mark. You know, a few years down the line, maybe as he gets a little bit older, gets a little bit more mature, maybe he can grow into being a super middleweight. But from what I saw in his last fight, I don't think he's there yet, and I do think he's best suited for 160 pounds. All right, I think my next question, this one comes from Linda Haley, a female fan of On the Ropes. Awesome. Her question is, Clarissa Shields is set to become the first woman to headline a boxing card on premium television when she appears on Showbox March 10th. Do you think this is a great sign for women's boxing? Absolutely, Linda. I think it's a fantastic sign for women's boxing. I mean, Clarissa Shields has a lot of things going for her. One, she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. So she already has a following going into her professional career. Her first professional fight was on the undercard of Ward versus Coatwalk, pay-per-view event. Her first fight was shown for free. So she's already gotten a little buzz with her debut. Now, her second professional fight is going to be the headliner fight on Showbox, which is just, that's awesome for women's boxing, because women's boxing doesn't get a lot of attention. I mean, while there's been noteworthy names over the last few years and over the last couple of decades, no one's really captured the attention of the boxing fans, or at least mainstream boxing fans when it comes to women's boxing. I mean, back in the late 90s, you know, there was Christy Martin. You know, she fought on an undercard of a Mike Tyson event, and she, you know, garnered a lot of attention from that. It was a war. You know, she brought a little attention to the sport. And then came Leila Ali. Leila Ali, when she first came into her boxing career, was more of a curiosity. People were like, well, this is the daughter of Muhammad Ali. You know, and as she fought as a professional, she earned her legitimacy and became, you know, a legitimate fighter and a top women's fighter. Um, but besides that, you know, it's been kind of up and down for women's boxing. You know, you had Holly Holm, who garnered some attention for her boxing, but became more well-known in MMA when she eventually beat Ronda Rousey. So, you know, in terms of women's boxing, there just really hasn't been that person that came out right from the beginning and was like a legitimate potential star. Clarissa Shields has that, right? She has the amateur background, having won, you know, a gold medal at both 17 and 21. You know, she's going to turn 22 in March. She's young. She has the right people behind her. And, you know, with the right fights and the right marketing, she could potentially be a legitimate star in boxing, and not just women's boxing, but all of boxing. So it's definitely a good sign for women's boxing, and uh, I look forward to her appearance on March 10th. All right, I'm going up to my next question. This one comes from Michael Heldy. He says, and, and quite bluntly, what the F is Andre Ward doing right now? Do you think he'll retire? Is it all mind games? The Kovalev belt was a great fight, in my opinion, and it would be a shame if there was no repeat. All right, well, Michael, thank you very much for your question here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the sentiment that you're saying right there is something that all boxing fans feel is, uh, what is Andre Ward doing right now? Because Andre Ward has talked about retiring. 
saying that he's accomplished everything that he could possibly do in his boxing career, and that he um, can hang it up. You know, so honestly, there's a lot of questions about what he's doing right now, but it's not the first time Andre Ward's career that has happened. You know, people have said that when he had his long breaks in between his career and his promotional issues, fights that he was refusing. So, you know, Andre Ward is Andre Ward. And, you know, some people can argue that he could have done a lot more to this point. I would be one of those people saying that, you know, if he didn't have those delays, he'd be in even a better position than he is now. But my view is this. His last fight was very close, and it was controversial. You know, a majority of people that watched his last fight thought he lost, thought he lost at least a close decision or lost widely. You know, it was a very close fight. I mean, you could have it, in my opinion, one point either way. You can either have Kovalev winning close, or you can have Ward winning close. It was a close fight, but it begs for a rematch. And when you're a great fighter, an all-time great fighter, you know, the one thing you don't want is doubt in your career, especially if you're going to retire. You don't want people doubting, well, in your last fight, maybe, maybe you lost. You know, and the greats, they often come back and they end that doubt. I mean, you can think of, you know, great fight series like uh, Morales versus Barrera. They had the rematches to prove who was the greater fighter, who was the greater fighter in that series. You could look at Floyd Mayweather Jr. You know, he had a controversial fight with Jose Luis Castillo. He had that rematch to end any doubt in terms of who was the victor in that fight. So, you know, it's very important for a fighter to not have that doubt hanging over their career, to not have people question who won, who lost. You know, Andre Ward, if he wants to really, truly hang it up, you got to have that rematch with Kovalev. you got to go out there and you got to definitively beat the man or have less questions in terms of the result. If you truly want to walk away, because if you walk away now, you don't go away saying, I've done everything I can do, because that's the one thing you didn't do, is definitively beat the man you last fought and took the title from. So, you know, in terms of Andre Ward and what he's doing right now, he needs to not only announce that he's coming back, but he needs to give Kovalev a rematch. He signed a deal to have a rematch, honor the deal, and prove you're the better man. And that wasn't any question. If you want to retire after that, no one will argue you. But if you retire right now, it hurts your legacy. It hurts the way people remember you as a fighter. All right, I'll go now to my final question for this week's Ask Jenna segment. It comes from Mattis Stevens. And he says, Jenna, you said a fight with Floyd Mayweather Jr., and Conor McGregor would never happen. But if it did somehow happen, that it would be a clown fight. Do you still feel that way now that it's looking more likely? All right, well, to answer your question there, Mattis, um, yeah, it's still a clown fight to me. Yeah, I don't care if it happens. It's still going to be a clown fight, a joke of a fight, not a legitimate boxing match. And honestly, still, I feel that fight will not happen. I don't care what the talk is. I don't care that Connor says the fight's going to happen. I don't care that Flamengo says the fight's going to happen. I know who's saying the fight won't happen, and that's Dana White. And Dana White owns Connor McGregor. So, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of talk about nothing right now. I think a lot of people are getting excited, like the fight is going to happen. When, it, it, in my opinion, there's really nothing to say that it is. Um, Connor McGregor has a contract with the UFC. He's an MMA fighter, and to get out of that contract, he needs to fight his next four matches. That's a long time away. So, you know, if that fight is going to happen, it'll be after those four fights. Or, if somehow Dana White says, you know what, we want to make the fight, we want to come to terms, we want to do it. Honestly, I don't think they're going to do that. You know, I get the impression from Dana White, he's a guy, honestly, one, who doesn't give a crap. And two, he's got so much money that he would actually just let Conor McGregor, their biggest star, rot on the sidelines before he actually gets told what to do. So, um, 
Honestly, I still don't think that fight's going to happen. But if it does happen, and, you know, I'd say the chances are, you know, maybe if I said the fight was 0% to 4, I'll say it's about 5% chance of happening. Uh, but if it does happen, it will still be a joke of a fight. It will not be a legitimate boxing match. And likely, Floyd Mayweather Jr. will knock out Conor McGregor. All right, well, that was this week's Ask Dennis segment. I'd like to thank all the fans who submitted your questions. And, guys, you heard it before at the top of the show. You know how to get your questions in the show. So if you want to be part of On Rose Boxing Radio, send your questions in. All of that, it's time to go to my final guest of this week's show, and he is absolutely a returning one. Now making his ninth appearance to On the Ropes Boxing Radio, I'm happy to welcome back one of the greatest fighters to ever fight in the ring. I'm joined by Roy Jones, Jr. How's everything going today, Roy? Everything going good. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Definitely have to be talking to you, Roy. And you know what? I'm uh, getting excited because you're about to get back into the <laughs> ring. You're about to get in there. You're going to face a former bare-knuckle brawler. I mean, can you talk about your fight coming up? On the 17th against Bobby Gunn. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, Bobby's a good fighter. You can't take nothing from Bobby. He's a very good boxer, a very a great bare-knuckle guy, um, a guy who has done so much in the bare-knuckle world that, to me, it would be uh, unfair to not grant him his wish as the opportunity to fight the great Roy Jones because of what he's done. He's accomplished so much in that world to, you know, I can't see myself not granting him the wish. It's almost like, Floyd willing now to negotiate and grant Conor McGregor his wish, but I mean they're, they're much, it's for much more money for a much bigger situation. But it's still kind of the same thing to me, you know. So I wait, I can't wait for it to happen, and I look forward for it because it's a great opportunity for both of us. It's a different type of an event because you know I always love to do things different in my whole career, uh, boxing especially. So I always enjoy doing the different thing, the something that nobody else has done, or something that's outside of the lines. So with that being said, I am very happy and enthusiastic about this opportunity to face Bobby Gunn in a boxing match. All right, now Roy, uh, let's talk about the preparations you've had for this fight. How do you feel leading up to it? I felt very good, uh, best I've felt in a long time, and uh, I'm looking forward to the outcome because I had some really, really good training, uh, really, really good training camp. Um, just It's been enormous of how my body has responded to the training, so you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Right, well, let's talk about Bobby Gunn. You know, you mentioned the fact that he comes from the, the bare-knuckle world, and his yeah. boxing record would say that he hasn't been very active, but he's had a lot of bare-knuckle matches in between. Does that give him any type of advantages at all, the fact that he's had these fights with the, the bare-knuckle? Yeah, it gives him a little bit of an advantage because he's been active, uh, probably a lot more active than I have. So that does give him somewhat of an advantage. But, I mean, with my boxing skills and because we're doing what I do best, it kind of neutralizes that, that advantage. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. And are you fighting for the WBS Cruiserweight title? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, how do you feel fighting for that belt again? You know, me, I love fighting for any type of belt. So the fact that there's a belt on the line was my main motivation. Anytime there's a belt on the line, Roy Jones Jr. is highly motivated and ready to go. Oh, Roy, you're 48 years old now. How do you feel now compared to, let's say, 38 when you compare yourself? What's different? <laughs> well, what's different right now? Well, 38, my body still was in a 
in a little bit of a shock situation where it was coming off of losing that 25 pounds of muscle. Now my body feels like it's almost fully recovered from that shock of, of, of losing that much muscle, and I think my body's back where it needs to be and back where I wanted it. So now I feel much better. Uh, well, let's fight with Bobby Gunn. Um, you haven't said before the fight whether or not you plan to make this your last or not. Um, but when you think about that, do you think this is maybe your last year in boxing? Yeah, I think my last year in boxing. And um, when you think about that, like I said, like I tell people all the time, when you're my age, you never know which one may be your last one. You know, uh, Bernard fought a fight. He thought that was probably going to be his last one. And it probably was his last one. But it's like when at this age, you don't know when it's going to be your last one because it may turn out like you want. It may go way better than you expect, or it may not turn out like you want. Um, so, you know, you never know. You know, it's certain things, uh, a lot of different factors that factor in as to is that your last one or not. So at this age, you never can tell. But guess what I decided? I decided that since I know that, then I'm going to make sure I go out with a bang, and I'm going to go out and enjoy myself, have one of the best nights that I've ever had. And if it don't turn out right or if it ends up being my last one, then guess what? I went out the last one just like I thought the first one. I went out with a bang. If it ain't my last one, then guess what? They got more of a bang to look forward to in my next one. So this time I'm properly prepared. I'm ready to go out and do things the way that I do things, and I'm doing my best right now. And believe you me when I say this, I'm doing my best and making my best effort to make sure I go out with a real bang this time. Nice, nice. Oh, Roy, I'm going to have you put your commentator hat on real quickly here. You mentioned it briefly before. Mayweather's talking about facing McGregor. Mayweather himself right. is going to be turning 40. I'm curious, mm-hmm. what do you see with that fight? What do you see? Because you yourself um, have kind of explored the whole boxing versus MMA thing, and it just didn't, didn't yeah. come together, though. Right. Well, to me, though, the MMA guys are good. They're great. They're great guys. And what the, what it really boils down to is that you have a jack of all traits versus the master of one. And usually, that jack of all traits is not going to beat or not supposed to beat that master of one. So I cannot really see how McGregor beats the master of one. I mean, his hands are full. He is a guy who tries hard and who's going to come out and give it his best effort. But it's very tough for a jack of all traits to beat the master of one at that one particular trait that he's the master of. Simply say it. In terms of the boxing world, though, do you think it hurts boxing at all to have that type of fight, you know, having the best boxer out there facing someone that's probably not near his level? How could it probably hurt boxing unless Conor got lucky and and not swallowing without? How could how else could that possibly hurt boxing? It's gonna bring more attention to boxing than even him fighting another boxer has ever bought. It's gonna bring more revenue to boxing and MMA than anything else. So how could that possibly hurt boxing? All right, all right. Well, in terms of Mayweather, do you think there's any desire for fans to see a rematch of Pacquiao anymore, or do you think people have gotten over that? Well, I think most people have gotten over that, and it's like that's why I think they're talking so much about the the uh, McGregor fight because they were looking for, they're looking at something else. What's next? And what's next is, what's next on the list of great things that Floyd Mayweather has brought to boxing is Conor McGregor. It's a big time event. It's an event that will draw major revenue and that's what boxing is supposed to be about. So that has to be what's next. <laughs> Alright, well there's um, another fight of interest out there. Canelo Alvarez is going up in weight. Something you're familiar with. You'll be taking on Chavez Jr., and a lot of people are counting Chavez Jr. out, even though he's got a, a significant weight advantage. What do you see of that fight? Um, you can never count Chavez Jr. out because of his 
effort and the way that his whole career has gone. Now, he was a guy who started boxing, and when he started boxing, none of us really gave him a chance to do much of anything because he didn't even have an extensive amateur background, if any amateur background at all. So to go as far as he went without having any amateur fight was a tremendously remarkable feat. Now, with that being said, there's nothing that you can say that he can't do because most guys, how many guys do we know would turn a pro with no amateur background and become a world champion? You know what I mean? Then for him to do that, that was a big feat. But now you're saying he's going to fight another fellow Mexican. That means he's going to give it all he got. He's going to put his front foot forward. And he knows that he's probably in for the fight of his life because not only is it a Mexican battle, but it's a Mexican battle for Mexican supremacy, for homeland supremacy. And a lot of people are going to be cheering for him because they're mad at Canelo Alvarez because he's not fighting Triple G. So to me, um, Chavez Jr. is in a win-win situation. He can't lose either way. He didn't have an extensive amateur background, and for him to take to have the guts to take on this guy and fight somebody like Canelo Alvarez with no amateur background, he's won already. Second, he can lose even if he did lose because, you know, he is the guy who really we know he goes up to 190 pounds. So for him to get down to 168, it's not an easy feat anyway. He's going to be almost drained at 168 because he walks around probably above 190 or 200. So, uh, you know, it's like he has no no lose in the fight for him. And you, have to, you do have to give him a chance because their size advantage. He's going to be able to take probably a little more if he's not too drained from making weight. So I think he's going to be fine. I think it's going to be a good fight. And I think he has a really good chance to win it. Now, Roy, there's a HBO pay-per-view coming up in March, and most likely I think you'll be broadcasting that between Gennady Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs. What are you expecting in that fight? A great fight from both fighters. Um, to me, uh, Daniel Jacobs is is in really deep because we have seen Daniel Jacobs go down before. We've never seen Triple G go down, and we don't think we're going to see Triple G go down this time. So with that being said, I think Daniel Jacobs has his hands full, and, you know, he's going to be probably the toughest guy that Golovkin has faced on paper, but because he's been down already, it's hard for us to see him not going down again. All right. Well, I know that both these guys are going to fight their fights, but do you think in 2017 we're going to see Canelo versus Golovkin? Uh, it's very possible. All depends on how the Chavez fight turns out and how the uh, Danny Jacob fight turns out. You, know, you can't just say, oh, they're both going to win those fights. No, those are pretty tough fights. Uh, they do have to go out and win them. I think they'll win them, but they do have to go out and win them. Um, to me, when you look at it, you wouldn't think that Golden Bowl would put um, Alvarez in the fight that they think he couldn't win because they know there's a big fight against Golovkin uh, in the overview. And at the same time, you don't think that they would put uh, Golovkin in a fight that they didn't think he could win because he also knows that there's a tremendous payday with Alvarez down the line. All right, there's one more boxing fight I want to get your view on. It's potential this year. Pacquiao versus Crawford. A lot of people believe that the Pacquiao camp is trying to avoid Crawford. I'm wondering, what do you see, one, with them, whether or not they're going to take that fight, and two, what do you think happens if they do? First of all, I don't think they have a reason to avoid Crawford. Uh, Pacquiao is a fighter who really he fights for a living, and whatever makes the most money is what he's going to do. And um, second, um, you know, that's a new pick and fight. You know, uh, Crawford is a very tough competitor, so he's not being with a guy of Pacquiao's level yet, so we don't know how he'll stand up in that situation. At the same time, um, he is a very powerful puncher, and 
He's a guy we've seen do a lot of good things, but we have not seen him take the Pacquiao type of a punch yet either. So there's a lot of questions to be answered. However, I think Crawford has a chance because of his size and because of his reach. I think he has a great chance to win the fight. Um, but Pacquiao is a guy who's always unpredictable. And like I tell people, he's almost like Tom Brady. You can't bet against Tom Brady, but you can't bet against Pacquiao either. All right, well, take things back to your upcoming fight. It will be on pay-per-view. Can you let me know about some of the other fights that will be on the card? Uh, we don't know. I, I know our Dave Tiberius' son, Joseph Tiberius, I think, will be on the card, which I'm, I'm very uh, excited about seeing. There are a few bare-knuckle fights, I believe. Uh, i got a guy by the name of Shady Gamora who was trying to get a fight on the card, and there's a girl who was former uh, international WBC lightweight champion, Ikram Kerwat, that I trained. She's trying to get a fight on the card as well. So those are the only ones I'm really familiar with, but I know Joseph Tiberius will be on, and uh, he will be the co-main probably, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, for the prediction, what do you expect to happen in your fight with Bobby Gunn? Well, Bobby's a very strong puncher. He'll come out trying to put one right on my chin and try, try to get me out as quick as he can. Um, that won't happen even if he lands a punch. I ain't going nowhere. And, uh, you know, it'll be a good fight early, a uh, gruesome, tough fight early, one that I will not back up from. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he has and seeing how much he can take. I know, right. You said... You don't know if this will be your last when you go out, like, you know, you'll fight it like if it was going to be your last so people have a, a memory of it that you go out with a bang. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering for you, is there one fight that you still maybe want out there? If you win this fight, there's one more fight. What is it? Of course, I'll take any one of the three major cruiserweight champions, of the four major cruiserweight champions. Either one of them I'll take. Then I'm done. <laughs> you want to win that title in that one division that you didn't get the yeah, yeah, title. And then, and then I'm out of there. All right, all right. All right, well, in closing, is there any message you want to pass along to your fans? Whatever you do, pay attention this Friday night because you're going to see the Roy Jones of old, which maybe this maybe could be your last time seeing him. We don't know. But from what I've seen, it will be the Roy Jones of old, and you will enjoy yourself. You will be entertained for however long it goes. And if you want to, go on Facebook. Tell me what signature move or other move you'd like to see, whichever one I get the most. The, high, the most uh, uh, requests for is uh, I'm going to take the top three that I get the most requests for, and I'm going to try to make sure I do one of them, if not all three of them, before the fight ends. I have a request. I want you to do the behind-the-back uh, check hook. All right. If that comes into play, if that, if that comes up more so than anything else, I'll definitely put that one in there. And I definitely, <laughs> I definitely want, hey, I want many requests as I can get because whichever one shows up the most are the ones I'm going to try to do for. I'm going to make sure I do one of them, and I'm probably going to do all three, but I'm definitely going to do one of them. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, all right. Roy, I look very much to the events. I'm uh, very happy that you are getting back into the ring there. You're going to do your thing. Yeah. And uh, thank you for uh, appearing on the show, and uh, best of luck this Friday night. In demand, pay-per-view, pay attention. All right. Thank you so much, Roy. Right. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. All right. That was Roy Jones Sr. talking about his upcoming fight this Friday against Bobby Gunn. And i got to say, Roy sounds confident, sounds excited to be back. And to be honest, it's the right fight for Roy Jones Jr. You know, it's a guy that, you know, isn't really right now at the top elite level. He's a guy that's more or less known for his bare-knuckle boxing. But, you know, a guy who also does have a a reasonably credible boxing record. So, you know, it's the right fight, right skill set for a guy like Roy to be facing right now. And to be honest, it's a good fight overall on paper. I mean, Roy right now is, is 48 years old. Um, Bobby Gunn, he's in his early 40s himself, 
So, you know, two guys near the same age range fighting each other, honestly, I don't have a problem with that. And there's a lot of people out there that they say, hey, Roy, you should just retire. But honestly, when, it, when there's fights that aren't high risk, and honestly, I don't believe it's a high risk fight for him either, you know, honestly, I, I think he'll probably outbox Bobby Gunn, and uh, unless Bobby Gunn somehow lands Haymaker, I mean, anything is possible. This is boxing, but... Um, I think it's still the right fight for him, and I don't think it's a high-risk fight. So if Roy's going to be taking fights like this, even though Bobby Gunn is, uh, you know, a higher echelon opponent than, than Roy's been facing of late, I'm fine with it. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's going to be a, a good fight, a good fight stylistically. Uh, Bobby Gunn, he's a really aggressive guy. He'll come forward with those big punches. He'll be trying to knock Roy out. And this is a chance to see, you know, flashes of Superman, you know, Roy Jones Jr. Because he said it himself in the interview here. He's going to have a fan poll for the fans out there on his Facebook that, you know, you guys can pick which legendary move you want to see him do. So any of those legendary moves that he has, you know, it can either be the behind-the-back, over-the-check hook, you know, legendary shots to the body. Any of the legendary shots from Roy, you can get Roy to do them in this fight here. So I think it's going to be an entertaining show. I think it's going to put on a show for the fans. You know, if I wanted to put a prediction on it, you know, I gotta say, Roy Jones Jr. is probably gonna win, probably by decision. I don't think he's gonna knock out Bobby Gunn. Bobby's, you know, really tough, uh, determined guy. He's always wanted this fight, so he's gonna give it his all. But uh, I think Roy's gonna come out and top. And uh, you know, if Roy comes up successfully, what he does in his career, that will obviously be his choice. But uh, again, I'm looking forward to seeing Roy back and, and see what he brings with this upcoming fight. All right, well, let's move things now to the upcoming week's fight schedule. And there are some interesting fights out there for the boxing fans. The most interesting one involves one of the most controversial figures in boxing today, that being Adrian Broner. He's returning for the first time in 10 months. We'll be taking on Adrian Granados. And, you know, this fight here is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, Granados is a legitimate challenger, being the fact that he's ranked number four by Ring Magazine at light welterweight. Um, you know, he's a guy that beats Amir Among when people didn't expect anything from him in that particular fight. And then you obviously have Adrian Broner. I mean, he got, he's the guy that became a champion so young, it's hard to believe he's only 27 years old right now. He's had a roller coaster life, a lot of things going on. And this is a fight right here where if Adrian Broner doesn't win it, I'm not going to say it's over for his career, but it's over for him at an elite level. You can only have so many slip-ups where people just lose all faith in you. And while he can talk a good game, while he can promote himself very well, if he can't fight, people aren't going to want to watch you fight. So, you know, Adrian Broner has a skill set to be successful in this fight, you know, but the one question is, is mentally. Mentally, is he ready for it? Mentally, is he in the right place? And also, physically, is he in the right place? Because this fight was originally set for a catch weight of 142 pounds, and all of a sudden they changed the weight and make it 147. So there's already questions going into this fight. How dedicated is Adrian Broner? Is he going to truly be in shape? We're going to find out this weekend. If I was going to go purely on skill set, i got to take Adrian Broner. I think he knocks out Granados. That's my honest opinion. I think, you know, Granados is a, a tough guy. He's a guy, you know, who's shown his talents in the ring. But I do think Adrian Broner, purely on talent, is a far more talented fighter and a superior fighter. I think he has the power to knock out Granados. But being the fact that Adrian Broner is kind of a wild card right now, you don't know what's going to happen. So I say for all the boxing fans out there, tune in, check it out. I think it will be an interesting fight. If Adrian Broner doesn't have his head together, you might see him lose. You might see the end of the, the Adrian Broner saga. But um, if he does have his head together, then maybe you see the start of him in his resurgence. Uh, also, though, on the undercard, I brought up previously earlier, Lamont Pearson takes on David Avancian. 
I think it's a very good fight for Lamont Peterson. Um, you know, advancing him, like I said, he's a, he's a guy that's most known for facing Shane Mosley and beating Shane Mosley by decision. But, you know, honestly, I think Lamont Peterson, you know, is just a little bit more skilled, a little bit slicker. I think he's got better boxing ability. I think he outboxes Avancian, wins the decision, takes that belt. But overall, I think that's going to be a, a pretty good fight on Showtime, and it kind of sets off a series of fights that are going to be week after week after week. So, you know, the boxing schedule is picking up. Boxing's back, so hopefully you guys tune in for that. And um, that pretty much does it for this week's show. I'd like to thank all three of my guests. Lamont Peterson, Barry Tompkins, and Roy Jones Jr. It was a pleasure speaking to all of them. I'd also like to thank our show sponsor, iboboxing.com. Guys, if you want to check out all the latest of their rankings, all the news involving their fighters, you can go over to iboboxing.com. And speaking of websites, you guys can go over to www.ontheropesboxingradio.com to find all of the latest boxing podcasts, interview articles, news, everything to do with On the Ropes Boxing Radio. You'll find it there. And, guys, thank you for tuning into the show, and I'll catch you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.